Father has put in my heart for you and me today as we conclude the series as I follow Christ with the subject, seizing the moment, seizing the moment. It's an interesting thing, by the way, to, and let me, let me back up even one step further and say this, next Sunday we're going to begin a series and this is for everybody. Don't say to yourself, well, I think I already know what those things are because I think you're going to I'm certain you're going to miss out on some things you might not know, but we're going to begin a series next Sunday titled That Kingdom Thing, and each week it's going to deal with something that is specific, what does the kingdom of God look like versus religion versus darkness versus Babylon. What is that? I'm going to use those, that series, I don't know how long it will be, but each week we'll be dealing with a, uh, something that is related to our relationship with the Father, whether it's Holy Spirit, whether it's who is Christ, whether it's tithe and offering, uh, whether it's faith, whether it's laying on of hands, all the things that worship, what is that? Why do does, why does some people lift their hands and some people don't? Why do some people kneel, some people don't? Why do some dance, why do not, some not? All of those things... We're going to cover that in a series called, called That Kingdom Thing, and I encourage you to be a part of that. So again, let's jump into today. Seizing the moment. Everybody say seizing. Seizing, seizing the moment. And I've got to begin with the same scripture that we have used every single week as we have delved into this, and that is the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, and it reads like this. I want you to repeat this after me. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now say it this way. Say, Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So within this very, it's a simple statement, but within this simple statement lies an opportunity for you and me to grow, as I've said every week, from the lessons learned by someone who has gone before us. I think the challenge in the world today is, in a day when Paul could say to a Timothy or to a Titus or to the Corinthian church that were inquiring of him, how can we know this Christ? How can we learn about him? How can we, they're asking, how can we know him like you know him? Um, why is it that we are struggling in some areas that seem so easy for you to get through? Why is it we don't understand everything, Paul, the way that you understand it? And Paul said, well, you won't get the answers in an overnight reading. You're not going to get the answers in a once-a-week Bible study. You're going to get the answers... Because you follow somebody who has walked down that path and gone there before you and has done it well. Not just done it. There's a lot of people doing it. Unfortunately, there's not, not, a, lot of, not a lot of people doing it well. That at the end of the day, there is, a, there is fruit. There is fruit that is ripe, not rotten. And we're after that ripe fruit, the fruit that says, I want to partake of this, not the fruit that says, oh, I walked into this room and it smells disgusting. We want to do this right. And Paul was saying to them, listen, I've been doing this for a while. And you do not want to learn the same lessons that I've learned, the same way I learned them. You want to learn the lessons I learned. You don't want to learn them like I learned them. 
So he said, let's do this. Let's get you ahead of this. Let's get you through some tough areas and simply do this. Follow me. Rather than me trying to answer every single question that you have, why don't you just follow me and imitate me as I imitate Christ? Now, in those days, Nick, it wasn't a thought. It was easy for people to follow someone else because of the culture. Back then, it was right to look to those who had gone before you and to uh, submit is a word that is misunderstood today. Submit not in the sense of they control you, but submit in the sense of I recognize that this person has been where I've not and I'm going to serve them, submit to them in a sense that I just want to learn from them. Again, understand the word submit. There might be a better word in today's language that didn't sound so cruel because it's not that. It is not that. But it was easy then, and today it's not, because today, in today's world, in today's society, certainly in America, I can only speak for America, I, can't, I, don't, I can only speak for what's around us locally, in fact, but in today's culture, it is not likely that someone's going to rise up and want to follow anyone, especially in the church world. In the church world... Everyone has become so intimidated to follow anyone that their response is always, I will follow Christ, but I will not follow any man, and I will not follow any woman. Because their answer usually is, because I've seen too many men fail, and I've seen too many women fail, I've seen too many people fail, so I'm just going to skip the failing part, and I'm going to follow Christ. I'm just going to follow Him. Well, to do that is to put ourselves in a situation where we cannot succeed. We cannot become everything that God wants us to be. And I can tell you today, He wants us to grow. If we can look at it from this perspective before I move along, if we can look at it from this perspective, anytime you follow somebody, and even in their failings, you don't hold their failings against them, but you look, there are successes in them, and you continue to follow them, you are learning as much from their failings as you are from their successes. You have to be, we have to be willing to say, I learned this because he or she, they, this person came up short in this area. There's no way I would do that. Well, you learned something from that. You gathered. It doesn't even make that person a bad person, not to say that some of them aren't, but it doesn't make every person that comes up short in areas a bad person. It makes them a person. We cannot say on one hand that we expect, and let me just say from my perspective, we, we expect a preacher to be perfect on one hand when we're following them, but then on the other hand, when we're having a conversation at our table, we're telling everybody, well, he's not perfect. She's not perfect. We've, we've got to be consistent in our thought and understand that we are people. We are all people no matter who we are. And we're all likely to trip over our own two feet from time to time. What we need to understand is when God puts somebody in your life, when Yahweh positions somebody before you and you know who they are, I can tell you today, not one of you, not one of you would be sitting in this room today if you did not believe you could follow me. The question isn't whether or not you believe you can. The question is whether or not you will. The question never is that. 
but you consistently come because if you didn't believe you could follow, you would not be here. If you believed that the only person you needed to follow was Jesus, you would do that on your own time and in your own space somewhere else. But because you want to grow, this is a true statement and you'll be able to amen this, because in you, you want to grow and you want to learn more. You're willing to go and sit underneath someone that you believe in your heart. God has ordained certain men, certain women to be a voice into our lives. And you don't mind sitting there because you do want to grow. Would that be an amen statement? Yes. Therefore, you find yourself here. Now, what I would ask is that when you come and when you, you come because you want to follow, my suggestion would be, to follow, but follow the parts that add life to you. I've said it before, I have nothing to hide. There are parts of me that aren't going to add life to you. It's going to make you mad. There are pieces of me because I'm human. I enjoy a glass of wine every now and then. People that are in our congregation do not. I'm not a drinker. I don't gather around and look for an opportunity to, to get something, but I enjoy a glass of wine. I don't have a problem with it. There are some folks in our congregation or watching on the other side of that lens, and my family included, some of them just now had a heart attack, <laughs> that are watching that would say, I can't believe it. What's he doing standing behind? And I'm using that as an example. If that's a conviction to you, if it's not life to you, don't follow that part. But the parts that are life where I get up every day and I enjoy my relationship with a father and I'm lifting up my hands and I recognize that he's doing an incredible work in me. You follow that. Imitate me in those places in the same way that I imitate Christ. Learn from what you view, even if it isn't a genuine failing. You might view having a glass of wine. He has failed God. Well, I'm in good company because Jesus had one too. But if, even if you view it that way, Don't worry about that part. Are you hearing me? Learn from it. But learn from it. And what do you learn from that? What do you learn that when people do things that you don't necessarily align with, at, the, at least at the moment, maybe in time you will, maybe you never will. What do you learn? You learn this. I know what my convictions are. I know what my lines are. And you're never going to be required to walk outside of your current revelation. You're never going to be asking this house to walk outside the lines of the understanding that you currently have. You will not be asked to do that. What you will be asked is to at least look past it. Consider what is released to you. Can somebody say amen this morning? Amen. So Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Again, using Paul, and I've got to move along because there's a lot I want to say this morning. But Paul himself, he, was a, he, he killed believers. Uh, Paul was part of the group that was mocking and, and stoning Stephen. And his voice led to the deaths and the arrests of many, many people that loved God with all their heart. You don't look at that and say, I can't follow him because he's got the... You, they followed him because they knew this man had a genuine love of Christ. We're going to follow the love of Christ. That's what we're following. Amen? So, first thing I want to talk to, about today, I want to ask you a question, and that is, how many times, because the subject today is seizing the moment, how many times have you ever looked back on your life, and you're going to answer this in your own mind and heart, but looked back on a moment and thought about an opportunity 
that you waited too long to take advantage of, and suddenly it's not there. How many has that ever happened to? There was something that was in front of you, you had an opportunity, and suddenly you realized, you pondered it, you waited, you kept thinking about it, you went in and out of whether or not you should do this thing, and then suddenly one day you realize that opportunity is no longer there. How many have done that? Come on ahead, raise your hand. We've all done that. We've all done that. Sometimes we're thankful that we missed the opportunity, but many times we look at it and we're thinking, oh, I missed that. I'm sitting on an invention right now that I've invented that um, I'm stuck at a one part of this invention. I think I shared this some months ago, but it's amazing. I just used it again this past week, and it's incredible. And once, it's, once I figure out one piece of this puzzle, it's going to affect the sporting world in an incredible way, and the byproduct of that is going to affect Stephen Kim Parker in an incredible way financially, And the byproduct of that is it's going to affect this house because we are faithful tithers on every bit of our income. And so I look at that and I see this thing and I was just thinking the other day when I used this again, I had the opportunity to use it. I wish I could use it more. And it's underdeveloped. It works in its current form, but it's underdeveloped. There's a particular material that I need that I've not yet found in order to make this thing so that uh, it is easy for everyone to use. It's going to be a product that's probably going to be around $5 to purchase. It won't be much. But everybody that... there's I'll leave it there. So it's there. And I was thinking the other day as I used this invention, I used it, and again, it, it worked so well, and I was with someone, and I said, I've got to figure out the final piece to this. I must figure out the final piece of this thing. And I used it, and it just, wor- it just works. And it's so incredibly simple. And I think to myself, I cannot wait so long. I have to seize this moment. Because every time I go somewhere and I use this, someone else that's nearby is watching me use it. And that someone is going to try to find it on Amazon, and they're not going to be able to, and they're going to create their own. And they're going to perfect this thing, and then they're going to get a patent on it. And then they're going to be the ones that are doing whatever. You see what I'm saying? So I think about these things and how many moments come to us, and they don't come to us simply because we're good people. They come to us. Because, we talked about it this morning, they come to us because within every single one of us that the breath of God has breathed into, there is a spirit of creativity. You are not living on this planet, even if you are out of relationship with a father, you are not living on this planet. If you are breathing air, there is creativity in you. Because the father is the creator. So you cannot help. If you are alive today, within your DNA is the spirit, the breath of creativity. So when you think of all of these things, and I can tell you with with what Kim and I are doing, I'm thinking, you know, I know what's coming down the road for her and I, and there's some uh, things that we've shared with you that we would like to do. I want to build a gymnasium over here, and I want to pay cash for it. And I would like this thing that I'm inventing to be the thing that pays cash for a $2 million gymnasium that we're going to build out here. I want that to be the thing that makes that possible. And you know what? The truth is, beyond that, I don't want to be the only one that's responsible for making that happen. 
I want the creativity that's in you to be a part of making that happen. I want you to be the ones that are rising up and the ones that are saying, you know what, he gave me this and, and I didn't wait on it too long. And then tithe on that thing. So I want to encourage you today to do two things. I'm going to talk about two things today. The first one, if you're following along in the Bible app, you'll see this. But the first thing is I want you to look. And we're going to cover that in a second. I want you to be willing to look, L-O-O-K, look. The second thing is you and I need to always be prepared to watch. What's the difference? Huge difference. There's a reason they're not spelled the same. There's a reason they're found in two different places in the dictionary. There's a reason they're almost as far apart as A is from Z. Because they're not the same. They're not the same. To look at something is just to gaze upon it. This morning, I cannot tell you how many things I looked at but received nothing from it. I looked. I was driving into the office. I come in from Eustis. I drive through all this construction, and every day, almost every day, something is changing. There's a new dirt pile over here. There's a new curb over here. There's a new whatever. And I look at those things, and I gaze upon it, but I don't draw anything out of that other than it's just one more thing. I don't give it any thought. It's just I looked at it because it happened to fall in front of my eyes. I want to read to you, turn with me if you would please, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 15, we're going to read three verses in the English Standard Version, and it reads like this. It says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. therefore. In fact, back up a little bit. Everybody say, look carefully. Therefore, Therefore. do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's talk about three parts of this passage that I think are imperative and important and pertinent to what we're talking about, the subject seizing the moment today. First of all, he says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. In other words, everybody say, he said, said. be wise. Be wise. What was he telling us? He said, following that statement, he said, making the best use of the time you have been given. In other words, make the best use of what has been laid before you. How does this fit in with as I follow Christ? What does this have to do with anything about following someone as they follow Christ? We'll get there. Again, he said, look carefully how you walk. Don't be unwise, but be, be, and make the best use of time. Be wise, making the best use of time. Now, none of us growing up have the ability to make the best use of time because we're just good at it. We learn how to become managers of our time. Some, no doubt, learn better than others. There are those 
who are late, who are going to be late, who are going to be late, 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 who are always going to be late because they've not yet learned to manage their time. Their time managing, I got some people nodding, and, and I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm not calling anybody out. I don't know how you manage your time, except for those of you that didn't get here at 10 a.m. But besides that, make, he says, be wise. Now, why does being wise, how does he relate being wise to being one managing their time? Because when we don't manage our time, what might be missed What might have he wanted you to look carefully at that you were not able to even gaze upon because that moment had now gone? I can only think over the years and the times that we've ministered here, and we've had services since uh, 21 years ago, and we've had services and we've done many different things, unusual things. In fact, one of the things that I've always said is I'm a believer in uh, time management for me, I learned over time. I, I'm a good time manager today, but I haven't always been that. Um, not since I was about five, I think. But I've, I've always been the kind of person that if I'm five minutes early, and you've heard me say this, if I'm five minutes early, I consider myself late. To me, that is late. And I want to be there early. And I know that my wife is so good at it today, but there was a time in our marriage, and I'm using her as an example, when five minutes early was not happening. Five minutes late was not happening. We're going to, we don't want to be too early. We want to be right on time, which at that point in her life was like 30 minutes after it started. I'm glad it's not that way anymore. She began to follow me as I followed Christ because he was timely. So she learned that and she learned to manage her time. And there are times that there's things that none of us can avoid. There are things that get in the way, whatever might happen, and somehow you end up being late. And when that happens, it just, those things happen. But my point being, I think what's critical is over these years when we've had our services, I've done things that have caught people off guard and I've done it intentionally. I remember one time in particular when I was meeting with those in the office back there and it was about, I can't remember the time, some of you might remember now, but I want to say it was like 9.15 or so, it wasn't quite 9.30, and Holy Spirit had given me a word that I could not hold in for one more minute. I could not restrain it. And I said to them, we were praying for service and talking about service and I said to them I can't wait I'm going out right now and we're going I'm going to preach right now and someone in there said it's it's not 10 o'clock people aren't going to be here and I said can't help that I got to get this thing out I am about to explode and I walked out here and there were just a few people that had come early and I preached and when I was done preaching 10 o'clock had come it was over So everybody that came at 10 expecting, I've come for the word, they missed that part. And what did that mean? Anybody following me, even Gaston addressed it last week, but anybody that's been watching me over the years knows that my nature is one of unpredictability. It's not because I set out to be unpredictable, but my nature is one of unpredictability because I like to believe that I'm sort of like John 3, 8, where he said, those who walk by the Spirit are like the wind. 
You don't know when they're coming and you don't know when they're going. They're unpredictable because when they're doing what Holy Spirit tells them to do, you don't know when something might happen. And I want to believe that that's a part of me that is a good part to be willing to follow. But I say this for this reason. Those who looked that day, those who gazed upon that moment realized what was more important to Steve Parker is that I released at the right time what the Father gave me. It was more important to me to be on time on the Father's schedule than it was to be on anyone else's, even those who called the rock home. I am never on your schedule. Never on your schedule. I'm on the Father's schedule, and if you are on His schedule, we will meet at the right time, at the same place, at the same time. Somebody say amen. You're hearing me this morning. So he says again, look carefully, be wise, make the best use of time. He said, you cannot make the best use of time if you are not aware, looking, being aware of what is going on around you. When we consider the things that go on at the rock, and because of this particular series, I'm, I'm referring a lot to what we do in the house. But because of what goes on around here, and one of the things that I have never liked about ministry is the need to give announcements when you put it on Facebook and Twitter and the website and in the screens and everything else, the screens that are normally working. I don't know what happened here, but, but those things that are supposed to be happening, and when they come up and they see that, and they're aware of that, if there's a looking... You know what's in my heart because there's nothing on these screens that aren't in my heart. There's nothing on these screens, there's nothing on that website, there's nothing on Facebook that we're putting on Facebook that isn't part of the vision of this house. So the only need that there should ever be to stand up here and maybe give an announcement would be for somebody who is new in the house that doesn't yet know where to look. Are you tracking with me today? They haven't yet learned... Where are they going? What are they doing? And again, he says, look carefully in Ephesians 5, how you walk. Look carefully. Am I walking? Do I live my life haphazardly? Do I just hope somehow I'll become informed? Am I living my life just hoping that I don't do the wrong thing? Just hoping that somehow I do the right thing? Am I living my life haphazardly. In fact, I want you to ask that question out loud this morning. Out loud, say with me, am I living my life haphazardly? Or, say this, or am I looking carefully at how I walk? Now the things that I'm saying today should say something to everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, what it should be saying to you is, He's trying to awaken me. There is no rebuke, there's no condemnation. What He's trying to do is awaken me so that I become aware of whether or not I'm using wisdom in the decisions and the choices that I'm making. You hear me this morning. He says, be wise, make the best use of time. And then He follows that up with, do this because the days are evil. In other words, every, not the day is evil in the sense of, man, the days are evil. There's some kind of spirit that's coming out going to try to destroy me or some whatever. 
Beware because the days are evil. What he means by that is everything around you is going to try to rob you of God's purpose for you in that day. Every obstruction. The day will be your best friend or the day will be your worst enemy. Beware. Look carefully. Be aware of the choices that you are making in this day. Watch those that I've set over you. Watch those that I've put as leaders and positioned as leaders over to be a voice into your life. Watch them. Pay attention to them because they will help you be able to discern what those things are in the day that are trying to come and rob you of your purpose. At the end of every day, what the Father wants for you is to lay your head down on that pillow that night and know that in your own heart, you have peace. That you have lived that day and you have honored Him in your rising up and in your lying down. That the decisions that you have made, you made using wisdom. The days are evil, he said. Look carefully because everything about your day, so much about your day, is going to try to rob you of what I created you for. It's going to try to blind the eyes that I've asked you to look with. It's going to try to cloud the wisdom that I've planted in you. It's going to try to crush the creativity that I breathed into you. The days are evil. And then he says this. He says, so don't be foolish by doing these things, by not looking, by not being wise, by not being careful. He said, so don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is this. He said, I've made provision. Look at me. He said, for every one of you, You do not have a question that the answer has not already been provided. You may not be getting that answer at the moment you want the answer. But when the answer is supposed to be there, the answer will. Don't miss the answer if the answer is standing in front of you in the form of someone who has gone before you. Don't miss the answer if that answer might be someone standing in front of you that has already walked in that place. So look. Everybody say, look. Be aware. And then the next word that I want to address, we're going to spend a few minutes on this, is watch. Remember, we're talking about seizing the moment. What is the difference between looking and watching? Looking is an awareness. Watching is drawing out of digging deep into what has appeared in front of you. Watching is saying, I am going to learn from this. Watching is saying, I will not shut my eyes until I have learned everything there is to learn from this. Go go with me to Mark chapter 14, please. Verse 33, we'll begin there. In Mark 14, 33, and Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. This is when they were going to Gethsemane, and he was about to be uh, taken to be crucified. And he, they had just had supper, the last, what's considered the last supper I call the table of threshing. He found out who was with him and who was not. Interestingly enough, keep in mind, if you look back in 
Mark 14, I don't remember the exact verse, but I think it's around verse 26 or 27. We always wrap our mind around the fact that Peter betrayed Christ. All of them betrayed him. And if you look at verse 26 or 27 in Mark 14, he says that. Jesus says that. He said, all of you will walk away from me. All, not one or two. But Peter... The attention was upon Peter because Peter is the only one that spoke up and said, never. And then in verse 31, Jesus said, we know, Jesus told him, not only are you going to walk away from me, but everybody is going to do the same thing. Let's read verse 33. So Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Let's hang on that for a minute. And he took with him Peter and James and John and immediately began to be greatly distressed and troubled. I'm going to give you a different interpretation of why I think he was. I think he was troubled because just a few verses before that he realized all of these people that I counted as strength are no longer strength. They just became a weakness. He realized even in inviting them to Gethsemane with him, he realized that even in the presence of company, he was alone. You'll understand in a moment. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled, and he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and... Remain here and... And going a little bit further, everybody say just a little bit further. Got to get away from doubt sometimes. And going a little bit further, farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. And he came, after saying this, back to Peter, James, and John, and he came and he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? It's an honest question. Are you asleep? Could you Not watch one hour. Then he says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed, it is willing, but your flesh, it is weak. And again, Jesus went away and he prayed and said the same words. Father, if it is possible for this cup to pass from me, let it be, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And again, after saying this to the Father, he went away, prayed, and again he came, and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Peter, are you sleeping? And he came the third time. After going again, and he said to them, 
are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. Or in today's language, your time is up. What you could have learned from this, you have missed. When you should have been watching and imitating, you slept. Your time is up, for the hour has come, and my opportunity to show you what I invited you to this garden to show you has now come and gone. I hope you do well. I wonder when I read this, always, I wonder had they watched and drawn, see, it's very clear that he had doubt in Peter, James, all the disciples, because he knew in his heart that all of them were going to flee. Not one, not two, not any. All of them were going to walk away. He knew it. So I wonder, anytime I read this, I always wonder, or any of the Gospels, and I read this, I wonder, when he went into that garden and he invited them there, he didn't invite them there because he needed their faith. He did not invite Peter, James, and John there because he needed their faith. He invited Peter, James, and John there because he needed them to learn something. And I wonder, had they not fallen asleep and had they watched, because Jesus was close enough to watch. He was close enough to listen to. But had they watched and done what he was doing and heard him saying, Father, this is a difficult thing. If it is possible for this cup to pass from me, let it be. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. They never heard that. They never heard what was in his heart. If they had heard him saying those words, I don't believe a man on this planet, a woman on the earth, could hear another person say that without staying awake and suddenly becoming vigilant about trying to help them survive. And when Peter and James and John quickly fell asleep, he said, if you sleep, the reason I want you to stay awake is so that you can avoid the temptation. What temptation? The temptation to walk away from me. I believe had they stayed awake and heard the cry of his heart and heard him talking to his father, revelation would have come to them. They would have been wide awake and I don't believe they would have walked away. I don't believe they could have because something would have risen up, but he knew they would and that's why he had spoken it and prophesied it before they got there. You're going to walk away. All of you are going to walk away. And he knew when he told them all of you are going to walk away, he knew they were going to walk away because he knew that they were not looking and he knew that they would not watch. He knew because they were not at that place yet. Because at the table, listen to me, at the table of threshing, as you might know it somewhere else, at the Last Supper, he knew that at that table that their hearts were exposed and all of them were more interested in their own being than they were in his. They had, been, they had gotten more caught up in where does this leave us than where are we going with you. You hearing me today? So he said, it is time. Wake up. 
and seize this moment that is before you. In verse 31, he said to Peter, he said, uh, Peter said to him, I, Peter, must die with you. I will not deny you. And all of them said the same thing, and yet all of them did it. So what did they miss by not watching? Because remember, looking is simply gazing upon. We look at things all of the time, and we don't realize, and you won't even remember what you looked at. You'll see it, and you'll pass right by it. You'll look at a billboard, you'll read it, and you'll forget that that billboard, somebody asks you, in fact, I pass a billboard every day that's down here on 46. If you ask me right now what's on that billboard, I honestly, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I can't even tell you. And I look at that billboard every single day. I can tell you somewhere on this road, there's a billboard that has some insurance company on it. Somewhere else, there's, there's two billboards. And I don't know what the other one is. I look at it every day. But I don't watch it. I don't receive from it. How many billboards do you pass? Some of you drive up and down I-4 every single day. You pass billboards, all, you look right at them. But if I asked you right now, what's on the billboard on Lake Mary Boulevard? You, mm. I don't know. I look at it every day. I don't know what that is. Because you're looking, but you're not watching. There's no message in it for you. But if there was a word in it for you, suddenly, it would hold value. So I'm going to ask you something today. Who are you watching? Who are you watching? Not just looking at, but who are you watching? If you watch, and it's someone, again, Paul's exhortation or encouragement or word to the Corinthian church, imitate me as I imitate Christ, wasn't because Paul thought he was faultless. It's because Paul believed with his whole heart, I can get you to a place in Christ where you can grow up and, and eliminate some of those questions and you won't have to go through the same struggles that I went through. I can help you with your fears. Paul never said, I'm trying to take the place of Jesus Christ. He never said, I'm trying to be the substitute. He said, I want to lead you to him and I want to help you get there and I want to help you grow and skip some of the steps I went into because if we all go through the same steps over and over again, there's never growth. Each generation has to build upon the one before it. And every day we follow people whether we want to or not. Every single day you follow people. Some of you own an iPhone simply because someone else talked about how much they liked it. Some of you don't own an Android because so many people have talked about how they don't like it. <laughs> you know I had to get that in there. Some of you, some of us, let's say us because it's true of all of us. Some of us, even today, you're going to cook a meal because you saw somewhere where it might have been posted that they were making this and you thought, what a great idea. I think I'm going to do the same. You're following people every day. Even people who say, I'm not following anybody. I'm only following Jesus. And yet their entire life looks like a mirror image of someone down the street. It is not possible to live on the earth and not follow someone. And at some point, your life begins to look like the 
person that you find yourself following. So this would be my encouragement today. Look, watch, and be deliberate in who you follow. Don't follow haphazardly. Don't just follow because, oh, that was a good word today. I think I'm going to follow them. Oh, that was a good thing this person did. I think I'll follow them. That's not deliberate. That's haphazard. That's emotional. Follow by word and spirit. When you know the Father has put somebody in your life that you can look to and and they can guide you somewhere, they can take you, they can grow you. When you see that, deliberately follow them. You don't have to take up all the stuff that again might be present in them that's not worthy of being followed I've said this before I'll say it again there are things about me I've told my kids don't get that part of me don't get that get this I said to my wife we were on a walk last night and I was saying to her just last night I said we were talking about one of our children and I said oh they get that from you it's just a great quality that she has and this one of my children had actually all of them have some of that some more one more than others won't say who's who doesn't matter but I said that quality that that one has they got that quality from you and the night before we were walking we walk every night and the same thing happened in a different way we were talking about one of our children and my wife said that is Steve Parker what that child did is Steve Parker. And oh man, you know what? That made me feel good because I thought, oh, that was a good thing they got from me. I'm glad they didn't do a bad thing. And it's like, that is Steve Parker. That's happened too, but fortunately not as much. So be deliberate in your following. You know, we can't expect ourselves, our children, to follow us if we don't show them how to follow we don't have the it's not a privilege we don't have the option of telling and not doing children learn more from what they see than from what they hear so they're going to learn they're going to watch and they're going to see and sometimes they're going to get some stuff that's like oh let me just scrape that off But hopefully the majority of the time they're looking and they're saying, man, and they're going to grow up and they're going to say, I'm so thankful that I watched my dad. I'm so thankful that I watched my mom. I'm so thankful that I paid attention to them. You know, one of the things that I've said over and over again, and I am wrapping this up. One of the first things that I've, one of the things I've said about my dad over and over is he was an amazing gardener. Incredible gardener. In fact, I don't, I've never, I'm, and, and I'm not being what do you call it? Uh, over-exaggerating at all. But I've never known anybody that can grow a crop like he could. If he put a seed in the ground, he knew how to nurture that thing. It didn't matter. Even if it wasn't supposed to grow there, he could grow it. And he loved it. He was a farmer. He was raised a farmer in Missouri. He was a farmer. He knew how to, he knew how to grow things. His daddy was a farmer. And I'd watch my dad and I'd go out there in that garden. He'd make us get out there and we'd weed that garden. We'd plant those seeds. And he'd tell us with this seed you push down three inches and this seed you... And he, he had this way about him. He knew exactly how much of his thumb was three inches or two inches or whatever. You just... And then that's three inches and you pop the seed and then you cover it. And then some seeds you didn't cover. 
let a natural, uh, the natural whatever happened that would cover it. it was, I don't remember what that was. There was a couple things that he planted. You didn't cover the seeds. You put them right on the ground. You laid them right out on the ground. That let them die, and then the roots do what they did. And, and I would watch him, and oh, I was so bored with it. So I don't want to be in the garden. I want to be out there playing baseball or football or whatever was going on. The Anything shooting frogs with a BB gun. That was one of our faves. I want to go down to Lyle's Pond. That's what it was, Lyle's Pond. Man, I can't even believe I remember that. I was like little. Get my little Red Rider BB gun or my pellet gun. I want to go down here and put a hole in the head of that toad. <laughs> and we'd sit out there at that pond, you know, and, and it'd come up for air and We'd send it to the bottom. And we'd go home. But that's where I wanted to be. But my dad, every day in the summertime, every day, out in the garden, first we're working. And man, I, and I looked, but I never watched. Every day I'd look. He'd say, this is your row, son. You're going to do this row right here. And it wasn't an option. It was not an option. He, he could have cared less. It, if it was a 911, if I had fever and had to go to the hospital, he'd say, we'll take you as soon as you get this row taken care of. <laughs> it was a lot different then than it is now. Since son, son, this is your row right here, and this is what you're going to plant, and this is how you're going to do it, and boom, 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 and I'd go down there, and I'd do it, and, and, and then I could go do what I wanted to do. But I looked. But even in all of that, I, I just forgot. And then when I got married to my wife, my wife said to me one time, she said, you know, I'd really like to have a garden. And I said, oh, I'm good at that. <laughs> I looked at my dad do it <laughs> all my, my childhood when I lived with him. I helped my dad with his garden. Oh, I'll be good at that. Yeah, let me go get some dirt and get some things. And I've got some dirt and put it out there and built this little thing up. We planted beans and tomatoes and everything else. And we had one single plant come up. No, we had actually several plants. Bean plants came up. And I was excited. They started coming out of the ground. I was like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Woo! And I got one bean. A single bean. And we ate it. I didn't know about first fruiting back then or I'd have given that to one of y'all. But I got one bean and I've never done anything since. And I'd said to my dad afterwards, I, I talked to my dad on the phone. He was living then and, and I said, Dad, this is what I did. And, and he said, yes, yeah, son, you didn't pay attention. And he said, this is how you do it. But see, I looked, but I didn't watch. I wasn't deliberate. Had I been deliberate, had I recognized and seized the moment and recognized right now this isn't where I want to be, but man, my dad, he's brilliant, man. Nobody does dirt like my dad did dirt. Nobody understood seeds like my father understood seeds. He wasn't the smartest man on the block, but he was the smartest man in the world to me. And if I'd have seized the moment and been deliberate and said, man, I'm, I'm not only going to put that seed in there, I want to know, Dad, why three inches? Dad, why am I not covering this one, but we covered the other one? Dad, why are these seeds, I'm putting them six inches apart, and these seeds, I'm putting a foot apart? Dad, why for this row are we doing a hair, uh, you know, we're mounding it up, and then the other row, we're digging a valley? Why are we doing that, Dad? If, if I'd have been deliberate about it, and I would have said, when I married my wife and she asked me for a garden, she wouldn't have had to ask. 
Because I would have followed my daddy like he followed Christ. I would have followed my father like he followed. And I would have watched because there was a creativity in my father. There was a gift and there was an anointing in him that I had not yet received. But had I been delivered, I could have received that gift and that anointing from him. The time is gone. My dad passed away in 2013 and I no longer have the option of calling him up and saying, Dad, can you tell me how to plant a good tomato plant? Can you tell me what I need to do to grow a good bean? I don't have the option anymore of calling him up and saying, Dad, can you, whatever. I helped him work on cars. The things that I was interested in, I watched well. But I wish today, if I could go back and do it over again, I would be as equally, I would watch with as much deliberateness what he was interested in, even if I weren't or wasn't. I would have been caught up in, if it's important to you, Dad, it's not to me, but it is going to be. If it matters to you, Dad, it's going to matter to me. And I'm telling you today, the Father has put people in your life. If you will follow them as they follow Christ, even if it doesn't make sense to you, it's not interesting, stop looking and start watching. Start deliberately following those and start paying attention to what's before them and ask questions. Why six inches apart? Why a foot apart? Seize the moments that are before you as an opportunity to become a better person, to become a better believer, to become a better husband, a better wife, a better father, mother, son, daughter. Seize these moments. And I'm going to ask you these questions, and you answer for yourself. Don't answer out loud. Because I'm judged every single week when I stand in this pulpit. I'm judged by those who receive what I have to say and those who don't. It's good. I think it's good. But I'm going to ask you these questions because if you can't answer yes to the questions I'm about to ask you, you need to figure out what ministry you need to be a part of so that you can. The last thing I ever want to do is be the guy that holds you back because you can't answer yes to what I'm about to ask. So I encourage you today, I know this is really weird, but if you can't answer yes to these questions I'm about to ask you, please go find the place where you can find the yes. Has following me, don't answer out loud, you answer in your own heart, has following me as I follow Christ made you a better person? Has following Steve Parker as he follows Christ made you a more committed believer? Has following me made you a better husband or better wife? Has following me made you a better friend to those that are around you? Has following me made you a better father, a better mother, a better son, or a better daughter? If you've been following me for any length of time and you have to answer no to any of those questions, I can tell you today, don't follow me. I'm not worth following for you. I'm not worth it. Your purpose and you being able to be the kind of person you're supposed to be, it's not worth it giving your attention to me. I don't want you to follow me if I'm not able to give you something that you can watch, not just look at, but watch and grow from. I can tell you today the Father's heart is that we get ourselves, Kaylee sang it this morning, And I align myself with you, talking about the Father, 
and in whatever way I am aligning with you and the people that you put in my life that are growing me up. Is there anybody in here that feels like you don't need to be grown up? Is there anybody in here that feels like you still got some growing up to do? I do. I do. The first decision. There's people you're watching online today. You're sorting it out. There's people in this room today. You're just sorting it out. You're trying to figure out what is this thing, this kingdom thing, this church thing, this God thing, this Jesus thing, whatever it is, Yahweh, what is all of this? Holy Spirit, what is all of this? And you're sorting out. You're, there's so, you have so many questions in your world, in your, in your mind, in your heart. There's so much there. I'm going to tell you today that questions for me never began to be answered until I first actually received Jesus Christ. But on that day on July the 8th, 1985, when I made the decision to receive him and to say, you know what, I don't even know what it means to submit to you. I'm really not sure what it it's going to feel like, what it's going to look like. I've never said with my mouth, I'm all yours. Do the best with this piece of package you can. But when I did that, suddenly things began to make sense. And I've been following someone ever since, and not just Christ. I watched and I learned. The man that led me to Christ 30 now, 30 how many years ago? 30, that was in 1985. 35 years ago is still in my life today. I just talked to him Friday. Still in my life today. If it had not been for him, I would not have understood what it meant to dance freely. I can't go into all that again because I'd be talking about that for a long time. But the the people the Father puts in our lives look become wise but more importantly watch and be deliberate watch them don't watch them and judge their miscomings watch them and grow from their gifts do you hear me today? So the first decision was to receive him. And I'm saying to you in this room, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. The first decision every single person must make so that their life can begin to make that transition from being one that they have owned themselves and come to a place where they can say, you know what, I'm no longer mine, but I have been bought with a price. The first decision that person's going to make is, I'm going to receive Jesus Christ. And if I receive Jesus Christ, he will begin to change me and begin to put the people in my life that need to be in my life so that I can be the man or the woman that he's called me to be. doesn't matter how young, doesn't matter how old, but if you're watching online or you're in this room today, I'm going to ask you here right now. In fact, there is no shame in the lifting of hands. There is celebration. Celebration. To acknowledge that I need him is to say, I am no longer my own. If you're under the sound, I want every head bowed. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes this morning. 
If you're online, the only way you're going to be able to respond is to send us a message through Facebook or YouTube, wherever you might be watching, whatever platform you might be on. But in this room or watching online today, if you'll say, Steve Parker, I need to begin this journey right. I need to know Jesus Christ. If I'm talking to you, would you lift your hand and then put it right back down? Lift your hand, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anyone else? I saw two. I don't know if anyone else did. But I'm going to say something to you too today. Everybody look at me. Please. Today, I'm not going to look right at you. I'm going to look all around this room because I don't want anyone to know who you are. I think that will be evident in the days to come. That becomes evident in the choices and the decisions that you begin to make. If you're watching online today, I'm saying this to you as well. We're going to pray as a body, and I'm praying for those of you that said you raised your hand online, and I'm praying for those that raised their hand in this room. I can tell you, I hope, I hope, I honestly can't say for certain, but I hope I would have been one that when Christ invited me to join him in Gethsemane, and he said, watch and pray, I hope I would have been one that would have fought through my sleepiness and been willing to watch because it was important to watch so that they could understand what he was going through. And there was something he wanted to teach them that they never learned. And I hope that had he asked me that I would be willing to be one of those. And I hope that that is true of every man and woman in this room. And those of you that lifted your hand today in this room and online, my hope is that as you hear the Father say, because He will, when the Father says, watch, in the direction He points you in, my encouragement to you is to deliberately or on purpose walk in that direction. Hear that voice. Watch that person. Learn and grow. Father, I join with the men and the women of this house, this congregation, over those who raise their hand here, those who raise their hand online. Lift my voice, lift my hands, declaring with this people that we are committed to receiving your Son. We recognize that in all of us, there are failings. There are places that have come up short in us, but we receive your word. We receive the grace of Jesus Christ to come and to redeem every single one of us, to cause us to be men and women who on purpose with deliberate uh, a deliberate step we we walk and we move towards those places that you have prepared for each and every one of us i pray for those who lifted their hand today joining my faith to the people of this house faith lift my voice over them let them see today let there be a confidence in them that jesus christ dwells in them they are a new creature a new creation today to your glory in jesus name amen amen and amen amen and again i say this 
especially for those of you who are just, you're new in the kingdom of God. First of all, as we begin next week, that kingdom thing, it's important that you're participant in all of those. But even now, it is important to me that every single person under the sound of my voice, online or in this room, that you are watching because had Peter, James, and John watched and observed how Jesus interacted with Yahweh, had they watched, they would have seen how he communed with the Father. And that communion might very well have been the thing that kept them from walking away. Today, He's made a way for you and me. And I invite you, again, it is without, um, I don't know, it's with as much humility as I can say it with, I don't know how you're going to take it, but I invite you to follow me as I follow Christ. Not because I'm a perfect man, but because the Father has put me here and He's brought you to this place. So trust me. If I let you down, I apologize now because it will happen. But don't follow that part. Follow the parts that bring life and growth and strength to you. Amen? I love you and I bless you.